Hey, what's up? And thanks for listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. I'm the host, Aaron Dodson. Psalm 119, verse 34 best describes this podcast. The psalmist wrote in the long ago, Give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we might keep God's law and that we might observe it with our whole hearts. I'm excited to start a new series of lessons, episodes coming out on the Aaron J. Dodson podcast, Podbean channel, and it's going to be titled Matthew, Jesus the King. And each episode will go through a chapter of Matthew. So obviously we'll be starting with chapter 1 here in in just a moment. But there are some things that I want to say up front about what I want to do with this so that you can hopefully be convinced early on to uh, you know buy into this, that is be a part of it by listening. What I want to do in this series of episodes, there are 28 chapters in Matthew. And so if I cover one chapter at a time, at minimum there will be 28 episodes and that's a lot. I don't want this to be the most detailed uh, study or teaching or podcast that I've ever done or you've ever heard on Matthew. What I want it to be, though, is where I will read the text and it will be a way to help you if you're wanting to read more, but you're struggling to find time to read, or maybe you do not like to read that much and you like to listen to things. If that's the case, this may be a blessing to you. I'm going to try to read the text of God's Word clearly, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. That's my favorite translation. The design of this is to help someone go through Matthew and to help them learn what it's about. And, and help them to understand, help you, help me to understand key ideas in each chapter. And also, from time to time, I will touch upon things that we can learn from what we have read. So, Matthew, Jesus the King. From the Nelson uh, publishers, uh, many Nelson Bibles have an introduction to each book. Matthew's intro, or excuse me, Nelson's introduction to Matthew in a Bible that I have says, Matthew is the gospel written by a Jew to Jews about a Jew. And so that gives you an idea early on of the historical uh, and cultural and background of this particular account of the gospel. Furthermore, this introduction says that Matthew is the writer. His countrymen, the Jews, are the readers, and Jesus Christ is the subject. And I couldn't agree more. Matthew's design is to present Jesus as the king of the Jews, the long-awaited Messiah, through a carefully selected series of Old Testament quotations, Matthew documents Jesus Christ's claim to be the Messiah. His genealogy, baptism, messages, and miracles all point to the same inescapable conclusion. Christ is king. Even in his death, seeming defeat is turned to victory by the resurrection, and the message again echoes forth. The king of the Jews lives. And with that introduction having been read and commented upon briefly, I'd like to read Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, 
and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Amenadab, Amenadab begot Nation, and Nation begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah, and Abijah begot Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham. Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh. Manasseh begot Ammon, and Ammon begot Josiah. Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, and Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abiad, and Abiad begot Eliakim, and Eliakim begot Azor. Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Achim, and Achim begot Eliad. Eliad begot Eleazar, Eleazar begot Mattathan, and Mattathan begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are fourteen generations from David until the carrying in, excuse me, from David until the captivity in Babylon are fourteen generations, and from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are fourteen generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That's Matthew 1, 1 through 25, the entire chapter. Now again, I hope that is helping someone who not only loves to hear the Word of God, but maybe struggles with reading the Word of God, and they enjoy listening to it being read. In the very beginning, one of the things that I wanted to bring out that will help us to learn what this is all about, understand, you know, the thrust of the context here in Matthew chapter 1. I'd like to share something written by a scholar from years ago, J.W. McGarvey. McGarvey wrote regarding Matthew chapter 1 and the genealogy, that section that 
we often overlook, we skip over, or as one preacher said, when we read it, we tend to think so-and-so forgot so-and-so and so-and-so forgot another because we tend to forget the names and the significance or either overlook it. McGarvey wrote, Matthew's chief object, as we have stated in the introduction, is to prove the Messiahship and the divinity of Jesus, and every section of the narrative has some bearing on this question. His object in the genealogy, as the superscription sufficiently indicates, is to show that Jesus is of the right lineage to be the Messiah. And that's what I want us to get. Why would God record all these names in Matthew chapter 1 for the people of the first century and for the people of all time to learn? Because he is trying to show that Jesus is of the right lineage to be the Messiah. McGarvey wrote, God had promised with an oath to David that he would raise up from his offspring the Messiah to sit on his throne. This was well understood by both the friends and the foes of Jesus. Matthew twenty-two forty-two. The section here shows that Jesus possessed this characteristic of the promised Messiah. It doesn't prove him to be of the blood of David, for the bloodline, according to Matthew's own uh, showing here in the latter part of this chapter, did not pass from Joseph to Jesus, but Jesus was born to Mary after her marriage with Joseph, and consequently, he was Joseph's lawful heir and inherited the throne from him, or through him, I should say. Again, this argument does not prove that Jesus is the Messiah, but only that he is of the right lineage. It, it establishes one of the facts necessary to the proof of the Messiahship. Now, you may remember that Luke chapter 3 has a very detailed genealogy of Jesus. And what McGarvey points out is that Luke's genealogy supplements Matthew's by showing that Jesus on his mother's side inherited the blood of David. But Luke does not follow the line of kings, and so he proves nothing as regards the inheritance of the throne. Thus we see that by a line of ancestry, which brought Jesus no inheritance, he received the blood of David, and by a line which established no blood connection, he inherited the throne of David. And McGarvey has written, We can but admire the providence which first brought about this striking coincidence and then caused it to be recorded in so singular a manner by two independent historians. And I really like that little section of McGarvey's commentary and I wanted to share that with you because I truly believe it helps us to appreciate how Matthew is the gospel written by a Jew to Jews about a Jew. Matthew's the writer, his countrymen are the readers, and Jesus Christ is the subject. And his design is to present Jesus as the king of the Jews, the long-awaited Messiah. And so he starts with evidence to demonstrate, to prove, if you will, the Messiahship of Jesus Christ and his, and his divinity, of course. And in doing that, he was doing what was needed, especially for those people in that day and in that time who had been expecting the Messiah because they had read things in the Old Testament 
and they held many of those passages to foreshadow or to detail things about a future Messiah. And they did. And Jesus points them to the Scriptures and to himself. He ties the two together. He did that in in multiple ways in his ministry and in his ministry after his resurrection as well. So what we learn is that the first part of Matthew chapter 1 is very significant. It's not insignificant. It's not just a bunch of random names. But instead, Matthew, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is showing uh, that by a line of ancestry that brought Jesus no inheritance, uh, he received the blood of David. And by a line, that would be through in Luke's account with his mother. And by a line that established no blood connection in Matthew through Joseph, he actually inherited the throne of David. And we can but admire that as McGarvey has written. So we see the significance there of the genealogy. And then verses 18 through 25 record uh, the details, or at least some of the details, of Jesus' birth. Now, what I want to share next is something that I have written in recent times about the virgin birth. I wanted to include this in this episode. Again, these episodes regarding Matthew's account of the gospel are designed to help us go through Matthew, to help us learn the thrust of the context, to learn what it's about, to understand key ideas, but also things that we can learn from it. But before we get to that about what we can learn from it, let's consider together more about helping us learn what it's about. Again, Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. You know, it seems to me that the doctrine of the virgin conception and birth of Jesus Christ is a somewhat overlooked truth of Scripture. And by overlooked, that is from my perspective and my experience around the church. And I'm not trying to accuse all churches of Christ. I don't know. I'm not in all of them. I'm not around all of them. But generally speaking, it seems to me from my perspective and my experience that it is somewhat of an overlooked subject. But what I want us to consider is, what is the virgin birth? And why is it so significant? Because obviously, God the Holy Spirit had Matthew to write about it and how it happened. So let's start with this. What is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ? Now, there have been a number of amazing birth stories recorded in the Bible. Isaac, Samuel, Samson, John the Baptizer. But the virgin birth of Jesus surpasses all of those amazing birth stories. Because the gospel clearly records that the virgin Mary conceived and gave birth not by physical relations with a man, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, look at Matthew 1.18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, they had never been together intimately and sexually. Before that, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And verse 20 says, and while Joseph, when he found out, and he's thinking on this, an angel of the Lord appeared and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived or begotten in her is of the Holy Spirit. It's not of a man. She has not been with a man. 
but she has conceived a child by the power of God the Holy Spirit. Now listen to a couple passages in Luke. Luke chapter 1, verse 27. This is Gabriel being sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And see the emphasis there upon the virgin, a virgin, one who was sexually pure, free of having had sexual relationships. Verse 34, notice Mary's attitude when she is realizing that this child she's carrying is of, is of God, is of the Holy Spirit. She says, how can this be? She said this to the angel, since I do not know a man, I am a virgin. So Mary knew, <laughs> obviously, that she had not had sexual relations. And she's saying, how can this happen? I don't have a husband. I've not, I've not, I've not had husband, marital relationships or, marital or sexual relationships. I haven't had that. And so she is affirmed that which is conceived in her, in you, is of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was conceived by God, not Joseph and Mary, and was born of a virgin. It's incredible that this divine conception is explained in but one singular verse which suggests the account is not man-made, but accurate and from God. Our inclination as human beings of our own free will, our own desires, would be to expand, to elaborate, and try to give every detail possible, just to show how convincing and incredible this is. 17 verses I just read a moment ago are, are given listing Jesus' human genealogy, but only one part of one verse to his divine genealogy. Now, obviously, the concept of the conception itself is a mystery. We could no more fathom it than we can fathom God's power we can no more fathom than we can fathom, rather, God's knowledge, His ability to create the universe from nothing, etc., etc. So what is the virgin birth? It's where God became a man, Philippians 2, 1 through 8. And He did this by being born of a virgin. God the Spirit was involved in Mary being pregnant, being found with child. That's a divine miracle. No sexual relations. But this young woman, this young godly woman, Mary, being the one who would carry the baby Jesus, that's what the virgin birth is. It's the great sign to the people of his time, to our time, and to all time that this individual is most unique. Now, let me say this, because I've already opened it up. Why is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ so important? You know, what's so important about it? 
Well, it helps to establish that Jesus is both human and divine. That's, I think that's the first and foremost thing that, 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 that shows the, the, the greatness and the, the emphasis, the, the importance of the virgin birth. It establishes that Jesus is not just a man. But also, he is not just divine. He is both. To deny the virgin birth is to deny the biblical truth that he is both God and man. Consider John 1.1, and most of my listeners will be familiar with this. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We learn from that same chapter later that the Word became flesh, verse 14. So it's describing the one who became a man, God the second person, God the Word in eternal times past. John 10.30, Jesus stated, I and my Father are one. This is emphasizing then his, his, his divinity. He is divine. And then, if I can get to it, John chapter 20, verse 28. Notice what Thomas said when he saw the evidence of the resurrected body. My Lord and my God. And many such passages teach that Jesus is both God, but also he is man. John 1, 14, he became flesh. And then, I love this passage. Romans chapter 1, the very beginning of this great important treatise, Romans chapter 1 verse 3, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Now, if Jesus had a human father, he was just a man. If he was just a man, he could not be the Savior. And if Jesus is not the Savior, there's no gospel, there's no salvation, there's no resurrection, and there's no hope beyond this life, 1 Corinthians 15, 17 through 19. We may as well eat and drink for tomorrow we die, as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 32. The virgin birth is so crucial to the good news. It is a truth that false satanic systems of religion will deny, they have denied, will continue to deny, they will attempt to counterfeit it and misrepresent it, like fantasy and mythology. Fantasy and mythology have counterfeited the virgin birth of Jesus with a ton of false narratives that Satan uses to minimize the utterly unique birth of Jesus of Nazareth. Satan has set up many such myths to counter-offer the birth of Christ. Why? So as to make it seem common or legendary. But the Word of God still stands as a historically accurate book, as a trustworthy and reliable book, and it stands as true, accurate, authentic, and breathed out by God. And there's no other book like it in the world. And it verifies the uniqueness of this great historical event, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And that, with that said, I hope that those things will sink in and they will be things that will help you to greater appreciate Matthew 
chapter 1. Now, before I close, so what? What can we learn from this? Well, keeping with context, I want us to learn that Matthew was writing as a Jew to Jews about a Jew. And Matthew is the writer writing to his own people. They are the readers. And Jesus Christ is the subject. And his design is to present Jesus as the King of the Jews, the long-awaited Messiah. And he starts that by going back and showing Jesus' connection to Abraham and to David, two of the great heroes of the Israelite nation. And they knew promises had been made to Abraham, Genesis chapter 1, excuse me, Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, and many other places. And same way with David, Psalm 16, and other places, Psalm 89, and others, 2 Samuel 7. Some of these are just coming to my mind on the cuff. They were aware of these things. And so this information in Matthew chapter 1 would show the relevancy of the Old Testament prophecies and the connection, I should say, to Jesus. But what they do is they evidence that he is from the right family, the right lineage, to be Messiah, to be king. And what we can learn is that the information is available. And it's been not only written and recorded, but preserved. And what we can learn from the virgin birth is that it is so important to accept what the Bible teaches about the, about the, about the, lot, the birth of Jesus. It shows that he is both man and divine. And it was written in such a way that it's very, very simple, straightforward, and authentic. Much unlike the many writings of mythology and legend. It's like God did it on purpose to give truth seekers as much evidence as needed to build a foundation of faith in the heart of those that are sincere and love and want the truth. I hope this episode, opening up the book of Matthew, chapter 1, Jesus the King, is a blessing to you and that it will bless your life and time to come as you reflect upon it. If you enjoyed it, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Share it with others so that you can be the algorithm and others can see this material. Get it out there. Please help me. Help me. In this new year, I would love to build my listenership up. And I can ask you, you will help me in doing that. Interact with this in any way that you can. Online, Facebook, Podbean, uh, I'm on um, Podbean and also Spotify. And there may be a other, few other places that it's on. I'm not sure. But take a listen. Uh, not only take, take a listen, but take a moment, I should say, and, and share it with others so they can take a listen. And hopefully it'll be a blessing to them. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. And I'll catch you next time in future episodes. God bless.